This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Building and strengthening our communities is a topic of great importance to many. But just how do we achieve this? Today on the Waters and Harvey Show, we want to explore the work that CoThink, a local philanthropic organization and giving circle, is doing to improve economic upward mobility of the members of the African-American and Latinx communities in Asheville. We'll be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters, and as always, glad to have you all join us in the audience. And as usual, I'm very happy, very pleased not to be here alone, but to be here <laughs> with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. So to be here, brother. How are you? <laughs> brother, I'm doing okay. How's it going on your end of the world? Busy, but I think I'm maintaining. Or in, or in this case, your end of the day. Right, right. right. Busy, but I'm maintaining in so one, one somehow. So. so, Marcus, we're back here in the studio <laughs> we again. Are. We're going to have a conversation about something that you and I have been talking about a lot. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this issue of community building, how we go about building a sense of community. This is our continued exploration into ways that local groups and organizations are working to working to actually strengthen their communities. And this is something that's important to a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And I, I'm reminded of an essay that I recently read for class by um, a well-known Ghanaian philosopher Kwame Jeche, who who wrote an essay entitled uh, "Person and Community in African Thought," mm-hmm. and he makes the point that that from the perspective of the Akan, this is a major ethnic group in Ghana, um, personhood uh, makes no sense within the con- uh, outside of the context of community. community. In fact, it is the community that constitutes the person mm-hmm. um, and the meanings, right? Um, that that the person is able to to encounter because meaning is something that is also constructed within the context of community. Right. So this idea of, of what it means to be a person and what it means to be a person within the context of community, of meaningful community, um, is a central idea um, right. in many African contexts. Yeah, brother, that's a good way to put that. And it mm-hmm. brings to mind, you know, and I think that this is kind of food for thought. Another quote that I once heard about someone talking about community, it was once said that community is much more than belonging to something. Mm-hmm. It's about doing something together that makes belonging matter. Mm. And we've talked to a number of people. Our listeners will remember that we've talked to a number of people who have um, who have heard us have this conversation about people in the local community here and how community once functioned in a, a way that I think that some people will argue is different from the way that it is functioning today. We've used this African proverb as well that mm. it takes a village, does, you know, yeah. that it is a group effort to, to kind of bring us all along, you know, so... Yeah. You know, to hear you refer back to those African traditions again, brother, I think is very fitting. Yeah, and you know, I think you know, it's 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 helpful, more helpful to think to think of community as a kind of organism, a living, vibrant, dynamic organism, as opposed to this sort of static thing to which we belong. Because mm-hmm. community is always evolving, it's always changing, it's always adapting, uh, it's always finding new ways to help people connect to the world in which they live. Right. So, community is a living, active, dynamic thing. Right. Yeah. Brother, I know one thing we could throw in the middle of this kind of discussion that you and I are having here, but I won't do it. I'll just bring it up. 
anyway. You know, we've talked about the uh, influence of capitalism on oh, our yeah. thinking and how it has kind of detached us from mm-hmm. each other. Uh, some people will know that I reference Alexis de Tocqueville a lot. Mm-hmm. This is a criticism that he had of uh, the United States in his book, Democracy in America. And I think that um, Alexis de Tocqueville was on to something. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and he wasn't the only one. I mean, later we see a social critic, um, E.F. Schumacher, who argues that uh, – uh, that that modern society in the we- in, in in the Western world suffers from what he calls a metaphysical disease uh, <laughs> that is connected to this sort of um, this 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 fixation with uh, with capitalism and so forth right. and so on. So so the Tocqueville isn't the only one who right. <laughs> who, who had a, a very specific diagnosis. So we're going to start throwing Western out society. all of these other yeah. names of people who have been dealing with this issue of community. And you know Absolutely. we use this quote. You know you talk about the Akan. Uh, we talk about this this African proverb that it takes a Village and talking about community being much more than just belonging to something, but about doing something together that makes belonging matter. Mm-hmm. I really believe, Marcus, that when we think about it, the work that um, our guest today, who we'll be talking to in a few minutes here, uh, Miss Tracy Green Washington, the work that she is doing through the local philanthropic organization, CoThink, comports magnificently with this mm-hmm. idea. And so Marcus and I are going to step out for just a second and we'll be back in a minute with Miss Tracy Green Washington. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show, and I know Marcus. I speak. I think I speak for both of us when I say we're glad that you all are joining us again here on the show as we talk about community. What does it mean to be in community? What are people doing to actually help support and strengthen and build our communities? And Marcus and I are so glad and happy, and we're honored as we are when guests come in to talk with us about these topics. We're very honored to have as our guest today, Miss Tracy Green Washington, who is a native of Asheville and knows the Asheville community very well. You know, in addition to being the founder of CoThink, which she'll talk about in in just a few minutes, um, she she is also the director of special initiatives at the Kate B. Reynolds Charitable Trust in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But Tracy, we're so glad to have you here. So welcome to the show. Yes, welcome, Tracy. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and talk about community and the work that's happening here in Asheville. All right. Thank you. And, you know, Tracy, we've already alluded to the fact that you that this is your home native to Asheville in western North Carolina didn't go a lot into your background background because we like to give the guests a chance to kind of tell us a little bit about themselves and introduce themselves to the audience so I think that's where I would like to start in this conversation can you just tell us a little bit a little bit more about your background and your connection to Asheville in western North Carolina it's interesting that you started the show really talking about community community is all of those things that you guys talked about and it's also this grounding of content of who you are and who you emerge into and who you evolve into as a person. Uh, For myself, I'm I'm a native of Asheville. I'm a child of Western North Carolina, um, a predominantly African-American community that has really been impacted by a number of different challenges, but also has been a birthplace of of a number of opportunities and assets and communities. And so when I think about my connection to Western North Carolina, I cannot talk about that connection without talking about the 
West, but I can't talk about it without talking about Elder Hayes. <laughs> when I talk about my work and how I am um, using this platform and talking about social justice work, it started with Elder Hayes mm-hmm. and really knowing how to do door knocking and organizing work through the NAACP. And so when you talk about community, it's not just place, it's the people. Right. And so when you talk about Elder Hayes and you talk about other leaders in the community, when you talk about the essence of who they are, um, that is who I am when right. you talk about Western North Carolina and this work. Well, Tracy, you know, you I, I have to jump back in here. You know, I'm kind of uh, buttoning on my brother's time here but for a minute, but he's given me permission to do that. I do have to say this now. You, you said born and raised here in Asheville. You are native of this region of Western North Carolina now. Look, you know, I am too. But I was always told that there are no African-Americans in this region of the state. Now, um, now, what gives here? It, it, it definitely is a false narrative. Uh, mm. um, I think these narratives that we create about this part of the state is actually a detriment mm-hmm. to what is really happening and the power of collective impact and a cl- collective wisdom and assets mm-hmm. and talents that are here. Um, Western North Carolina, in particular Asheville, is home to a plethora of bra- uh, black and brown folks that are doing some extraordinary work. Mm-hmm. Um, the, tra- the challenge is because we have this narrative that continues to be perpetuated, folks are invisible. Mm-hmm. And so this invisibility creates the, the, the opportunity for, for folks in society to create a different type of dialogue around what communities are capable of, of what communities are doing, and the power and space and collective um, pa- uh, collective uh, work that is happening in this part of the state. Mm-hmm. And I think, Tracy, that's a beautiful segue into a conversation about your organization, CoThink. Let's talk about that. Um, when did you found CoThink? Why did you found it? Um, what motivated, what what energized you to create this very important organization? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to start out, even though I'm listed as a founder, CoThink mm-hmm. is a week. Mm-hmm. It is okay. a collection of a lot of different people that are supporting and moving this work forward. And it really birthed out of this um, this identification that there was a lot of really creative work that was bubbling up in Western North Carolina from communities of color. But because they weren't able to access resources, because they didn't have a platform that gave them visibility, they weren't being identified as the change agents in this community that were really doing progressive work. One of the things that I noted in my role as a program officer for a statewide foundation is that I could not support their work, Mm -hmm. nor could the local community foundation support their work because it just wasn't aligned with their mission or how things were aligned, uh, uh, situated in that way. And so how do we create a mechanism where we support some of the most innovative work that was emerging from the community? And so that is where CoThink emerged from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The National Center for Responsive Philanthropy did a study a number of years ago, and it talked about the return on investment in philanthropy. And that return on investment is coming from these kind of loose networks and bodies of work that are growing out of grassroots movements and grassroots organizations. That's what I'm seeing here in Asheville, right. and that really create the platform for us to be able to um, to create CoThink. Right, and, and we want to go into a little bit more detail about the particulars of CoThink. But Tracy, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I wonder uh, the question that kind of pops up into my mind, and I think about here is how did leaving Western North Carolina kind of give you an, 
a unique perspective and help you to be able to really see some of these things that were going on on the ground. Um, because I find that people who have had the opportunity, you know, you, we grow up in the space, but then when you leave a space that you've grown up in, you can kind of look at it through a different lens and you're able to see things that you might not have seen being on the ground. So did, is it fair to say that that may have influenced the, the things that you're able to see now and what you're bringing to the table? Does that make sense? It does. I don't think it necessarily influenced what I see. Mm-hmm. It's about what I can do about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so having been a child of this work, working with the NAACP, being conscious of these issues that are happening in community, being conscious of the fact that there aren't a lot of people of color in these leadership positions, and um, conscious of the fact that folks don't come downtown, and conscious mm-hmm. of the fact that you don't see the presence of diversity in these spaces, um, really is something that was cultivated at a very young age. What uh, what happened in terms of me leaving Western North Carolina was I was able to have access to these other networks and other opportunities that it didn't allow me to come mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. So the ability to come home is very powerful. Right. Um, and sometimes folks don't take that proposition to come home. And you know, in our reality, sometimes there's not the space to come home. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that community allowed the space for me to come home. I'm mm-hmm. grateful that the proposition of what CoThink could be and how it could support community was well received by the community and embraced and actually amplified and leveraged in a way that is producing, I think, some really phenomenal connections, collaborations, capacity building, and some outcomes long term. Right. Yeah. Um, and Tracy, what what are some of the specific projects right now that um, CoThink is focused Focused on, especially you know, I'm thinking about everything that's going on right now, all of the social ferment in the country. Uh, what are some 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 focal points for the organization right now? Uh, one of the key things that we focus on is connecting folks to resources. Okay. One of the big things that we identified as a priority for us is to have alliance building and collaboration as a priority and a thing for us throughout the year. This really came on the cusp of a lot of work last year around some tipping point grants and being able to co- uh, connect individuals within the community with access to access resources from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I also identify that there were clear gaps in terms of people being uh, intimidated by the process of philanthropy and really figuring out how we take the mystique out of philanthropy and really make that as an accessible tool to folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and also noting that a lot of people were doing work in the same space but weren't connected, weren't talking to mm-hmm. each other because maybe they didn't know about each other's work. There were issues where things weren't healed up in community relative mm-hmm. to, to them wanting to, to be connected to one another or whether they just didn't feel as if there was enough space for all of the work to work together mm-hmm. and to be able to have visibility and serve as a, in a leadership role as well. And so the, all of those things working together really um, was the impetus for it. Now, Trace, you just made a really interesting point about about um, people being intimidated by philanthropy. Can you speak to that a little bit more, please? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. philanthropy, the definition is a love of man. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the structural mechanisms that facilitate um, philanthropy, they can be very intimidating mm-hmm. and they can be very white, mm-hmm. just to be plain. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so when you don't see yourself on the other side of philanthropy, it can be very intimidating. Mm-hmm. And when you have structures that you're unfamiliar with navigating and relationships and language that's not familiar to you, then you have a tendency to not engage in those activities. The work and the kind of process that we've created through CoThink has been about breaking that down. We have a whole process where we break down an application, move folks through each part of it, and 
at the end of it have some type of application if they're ready to mm-hmm. submit. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's learning that's happening both for that, the participant in the program, but it's also learning that happens for our peers that's a part of the CoThink Collaborative for them to own and have their own relationship with these funding entities right. in a way that they didn't feel comfortable before. Right, right. Marcus, that was a, a, a brilliant question that you raised because I was thinking along the same lines that applying for grants and and being involved in the philanthropic process uh, as especially as someone who hopes to be a recipient um to me it's a daunting process Mm -hmm. you know you and i've talked about this and even in our own academic work of applying for fellowships or Mm -hmm. money to support some of the research that we we do is very difficult (laughs) we've even had a conversation recently tracy among the two of us about even being nominated for awards (laughs) and the amount of work that we have to do just to (laughs) accept the nominations and then becoming just daunting to the point that you just kind of throw up your hands and (laughs) say i I can't do this so i I, I think that it is brilliant that you have, are using the expertise that you have developed in the fields that you are in to help people work through this process. Um, now, one thing that I'd like to talk about a little bit here to give you an opportunity, because I like the fact that you've used the word we, that this is an effort together, a group of people working together. Can you tell us a little bit, a bit, a little bit about some of the people who are involved in the project with you? Mm-hmm. I think one of the things to emphasize about CoThink is that it is a collaboration between African-American and Latinx leaders. And so the the fact that it's black and brown folks that's coming together and pooling their collective time, talent, and treasure to address some of the most vexing social issues facing our community, those are the people that are showing up at the table. But not only is it those people, we also have white allies at the table. Mm -hmm. And these are folks that have um, decided that they will no longer be complicit in participating in systems that continue to perpetuate in equities, mm-hmm. but also many of them have participated in racial equity training. Mm-hmm. But just because you participate in racial equity training doesn't mean you know how to do racial equity work. Right. And so what's really beautiful about the work that we do collectively, it creates these safe spaces for people to have really hard, complex conversations and at the same time practice what they have gotten in the classroom mm-hmm. around racial equity in a place that's non-judgmental, that's about support, but also about that we need all of us to be able to do this work collectively. Right. So you see this kind of tug and tension Mm -hmm. that happens, but it's in a very, I think, positive, disruptive Mm -hmm. way towards change. And so you have leaders that you've had on this show that are part of it, Mm -hmm. from Stephanie to um, to Darcel to uh, Sekou Coleman to, Mm -hmm. I mean, all these different leaders to Carolina McGrady to... I can go on and on that are engaged in this work and have right. contributed resources to it. It's fantastic that you're it doing is. this because as a historian, you know, I, I know that even getting people to sit down around the table and have honest conversations the same about, thing. <laughs> <laughs> about yeah. our narrative, yeah. the yeah. historical narrative, yeah. who has been led, it becomes very difficult. And one yeah. one thing that emerges in my work a lot, uh, Tracy, and I'm looking at the late 19th century and looking at philanthropic efforts in this particular part of uh, of history, and I know that there's a lot of paternalism. The word paternalism emerges here. A lot of paternalism that emerges in that, and that can be just as devastating as just out-and-out racist activity sometimes. So, it sounds to me like you all have found a unique way to even deal with the the whole paternalistic uh, ethos that can develop in these these type of relationships. Does that make sense? That does make sense, and we've worked very hard at it. It's, It's definitely 
definitely been a challenge in terms of us being honest with one another. One of the very first things that we did was focus on healing, and that's something that's a constant theme with, throughout our work. We broke bread together. We talked about the issues, and people cried. And one of the things that we make sure when people come to the table that they can come to, them, to the table as themselves in the language that they want to speak, um, using the cultural expressions that they are most comfortable with, and be able to have these really hard conversations. And we jokingly tell people, um, you know, don't leave, get a piece of cake. Right. Okay. <laughs> Marcus, I have to say, here, brother, you know, this sounds a lot like the, the racial reconciliation efforts in South Africa after the fall of apartheid, I mean, mm-hmm. which is something that we never did here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tracy, I'm sitting here wondering, can you take this model and make it national? How can we do, <laughs> you know, so that we can have a national conversation that is like this? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely mm-hmm. taking hold. One of the things that I will say that was important beyond the discussion is that we made an intentional covenant between one another of how we would act with each other, how we would behave with each other, how we would not participate in collaborations that it, that, not, that didn't include black and brown folks, mm-hmm. how we wouldn't allow our relatives to say or disparaging things against each of our communities. Mm-hmm. And we have, sta- we have stayed to that covenant. That is what binds us. Right. Mm-hmm. This is important. Um, can you talk a little bit about the awards program, uh, Tracy, yeah. and, per- and perhaps about um, you know some of this year's recipients? Yeah, you uh, get so me forth. excited <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and can I can I interject here? You know, to be to promote work that you know Marcus and I both were kind of involved in, aside from the the show itself, but the African Americans in Western North Carolina yes. conference at the university, which we're going into the fourth annual one this October, and we're partnering happy, together. Happy to be working with you, Tracy, on this. So let's talk about that. Yes, we're (laughs) real excited about it. So one of the things that we know about Kamings of Color, we don't have the opportunity to honor the folks who are doing the hard work. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things we did last year was develop the Leadership and Ally Awards. And it was an opportunity to highlight and acknowledge leaders that were doing the heavy lifting in community, but then I wasn't always the ones who got the accolades. Mm -hmm. And so um, last year we had the opportunity to honor four leaders of color that included um, Tamiko and other mm-hmm. folks uh, from the community as well as allies like Amy Worthen and right, others right. Um, and this year we had the same opportunity we have another like slate of just really bang up leaders who are doing really heavy lifting work in a community that no one else can do and today is actually the last day for people to vote Okay. okay. Um, one of the things that's very unique about our process is that all the nominations come from community and community has 50% of the vote, and we use this platform called Tally Space. Okay. Tally Space is, in some ways, a community organizing tool for us to get people engaged, excited, and involved in a process that they normally don't get an opportunity to um, be involved in. Okay. And the other 50% comes from um, the CoThink team coming together and weighing all of the results as well. So you're going to be giving away some money this this time around, yes. right? Okay, for us to ask, you know, how much yes. are you? Because it, it, am I correct in saying this, Tracy? That this has grown uh, over since you founded, uh, helped found this organization. Your ability to give more uh, in awards has grown. Very much. Where so. are you? Where are you this year? So let me just step back and say really quickly. Last year was the first year we gave out grants. We've only been around two and a half years, so mm. we're still a baby. So mm. we gave around forty five hundred dollars in grants and also promised community supports to our um, recipients. Um, This year we have the opportunity to give away 
$26,000 in grants um, to eight community organizations. And we also um, have set aside an additional um, um, uh, $4,000, I think it's $4,000, as a part of an innovation fund um, that we're doing as a part of a leadership series that we're going to be piloting as well. Hmm. One of the things that we have noted is that for folks to be in strong alliance and collaboration, we have to do our own work. Hmm. And so we want to support people to be able to do it and also have resources that can help facilitate that after they've finished the the leadership series as Hmm. well. Hmm. So that's the big jump. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy, what does CoThink's future look like? Um, in your opinion, um, and along with that, um, how can how can others who currently may not know about CoThink or mm-hmm. who want to be involved in CoThink get involved in CoThink? The beautiful thing about CoThink, it is adaptive, it is evolving, it is reaching and working where community is. So I don't know what CoThink will evolve into. Mm. What I know that it is evolving into is a resource for community, a place to build capacity, a a place that's creating a platform for people to get skills that they needed. It's also changing a lot of the institutional practices that are happening Mm -hmm. here in community. Mm -hmm. And it's showing up as a movement where people are demanding that the way that we do our work in CoThink be embedded in other areas and practices within the Asheville and Western North Carolina community. You know, Tracy, I'm hearing another thing here. I recently read an article uh, from the New York Times that was talking about um, a community-based project in San Francisco mm-hmm. that um, that was developed among the people within that community themselves, giving them the opportunity to find solutions rather than being told by bureaucrats what the solutions should be or what the programs they should be involved in. And it sounds to me that, that this is exactly what coating is. It, it's helping to support um, initiatives that people are taking on themselves, right? They're developing their own answers, uh, are is. looking for their own answers to some it, of the challenges or problems that they that they face. Does it, that make sense? It is, and it also is allowing them the the, the dignity to not have to ask for permission yeah, to do it. Absolutely. One of the things that in terms of helping and supporting CoThink, we have a big um, meeting, uh, event that's coming out on October 21st. The, the theme of our annual event is Becoming We, and really about C and continue to uh, seed, seed and support the infrastructure mm-hmm. of communities of color here in Western North Carolina. We're partnering with you guys on mm-hmm. that, which is really exciting. We're giving away awards. So to be, we would love more folks to be engaged with CoThink as members, as support, as supporters, as sponsors. Um, we're also getting beginning to get um, um, uh, invitations from folks to actually come out and figure out how they actually import different components of CoThink into their work and mm-hmm. we've been providing support and technical assistance and consulting services to those folks as well. Right. Well Tracy, one of the last things I would, would say it sounds to me that this is an opportunity for other people to get involved mm-hmm. right? Um, and so we're glad that we could be a part of helping to bring the message to a larger, larger audience here in this region of our state and hope that people will take the time to look you up. Now, could you tell us you have a website, too, and where can people find more information about the CoThink project? If they go to CoThink.org, and CoThink is C-O-T-H-I-N-K-K.org, they can read all about CoThink. They can um, see how they can get involved, how to be be sponsors, and they can also learn more about our October 21st um, annual event as well. And what we're looking forward to it, October 21st, will be a a part of the African Americans in Western North Carolina Conference this year, which is October 19th, 20th, and the 21st. We'll end with uh, the CoThink uh, 
uh, project, and I'm glad that we are partnering with you all, Tracy. Tracy, I'm so glad that you were willing to come back up and have this conversation with us today. Thanks so much, Tracy. So happy that Marcus could I, and I could be involved. And Marcus and I will be back in just a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show, and I'm Darren Waters, along with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. We've just had a very rich, very and I would rich. say, brother, very powerful conversation with Miss mm-hmm. Tracy Green Washington, talking about the co think giving circle, this philanthropic po- project, man, brother, rich conversation. Rich, yeah, and, and two points quickly that really stand out to me uh, had to do with um, the the fact that CoThink is interested in providing a space uh, to have important difficult, messy conversations around race, around inequity, um, around injustice and, you know, topics of that nature. And it's it's so important because uh, spaces where these kinds of conversations occur, unfortunately, are um, are, are rather sparse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, I think another important point uh, that was made was the fact that this country's philanthropic culture, um, the structures that, that constitute it, uh, were not built with marginal communities in, in mind. mind. You're right. And I think CoThink is addressing that problem as right. well. Brother, mm-hmm. well, again, see, once again, you have wrapped it up very well. <laughs> and I appreciate that. You know, you again, I will say again, you're becoming master. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Make it easy for me. So, But once again, thank you all for joining us in the audience. And Marcus and I want to remind you again that the Waters and Harvest Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Thank Bye. you.